We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Tina Davidson, a woman whose writing I greatly admire. Tina Davidson, a highly regarded American composer, creates music that stands out for its emotional depth and lyrical dignity. Lauded for her authentic voice, the New York Times has praised her vivid ear for harmony and colors. Her memoir, Let Your Life Be Broken, Life and Music from a Classical Composer, is available from Boyle and Dalton. Her memoir chases the extraordinary life in equally lyrical language, juxtaposing memories, journal entries, notes on compositions in progress, and insights into the life of an artist and a mother at work. Her review from Maria Popova in The Marginalian says, Let Your Heart Be Broken is a consummate read in its entirety, exploring with uncommon sensitivity and poetic insight the fundamentals of love, forgiveness, creativity, and what it takes to emerge from the inner darkness into a vast vista of light rooted in the time-tested truth that we are, in the end, a measure of the love we leave behind. Welcome, Tina. I'm so happy you're here today. I am so excited. Thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, you're welcome. I love your book. Everybody oh. go get your book. We'll talk more about this. But I just oh, thank you. Thank you. But as we get started, let me ask you, you experience getting older. And if so, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't. You know, I am now 70 and loving life, uh, loving uh, the things that I'm doing. So I'm still writing music, but having published this book and having had it received so well, um, it's really all about the creative work that I've done 
um, up through almost to my 50s. And what's interesting, however, is that I started writing this just before my 60th birthday. And I think, you know, now at 70, I really reflect on um, how I had come to a time where I was thinking about what have I done? What, how do I express that to a different audience? So the reading audience rather than the listening audience. And how do I take stock of things? Which I think is part of, you know, your third act these last 20 or 30 years of your life? You know, how do you take stock of what you've done? Where are you now? And where are you still creating possibilities and new things and new connections or helping to fortify society in kind of a way? So I think that I wrote this at that time period is is now it's like, oh, not surprising. Um and it's also interesting because I am turning my attention now to my second book, which I think is really about creativity and the aging process. So as I get older, what happens to creativity? Um, how do I express myself? How do I continue to value myself, especially in a world, as you said in your introduction, that uh, is very ageist and does not... Uh, count uh, older people, particularly women, in being a representative of part of life. They sort of, you know, they kind of see, oh, you got to be 70 or 65 and you kind of drop off the edge of the, the flat world, right? <laughs> they still have the flat world in mind when they think about aging, not, you know, this circular thing where you always are meeting the new and the different you know, that the age, young and old come together in a circle, but uh, on a very flat surface, you know, you just go from the beginning to the end and you drop off. So I'm really interested in that, as I was in this book of really uh, speaking of how my journey sort of out of darkness into light uh, impacted my, my composing work and what is my composing process. Oh, Tina, I have about five questions I want to ask you from, from <laughs> I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to. I think what I'm going to say, because it's top of mind, is I love that image of um, our society with a flat earth that is actually a very youth-oriented flat earth. And when you get to at least 60 or 65, but... If you're a, a, a woman working inside an organization, it happens before that. Mm -hmm. um, you sort of you do fall off. Yeah. I, I love that image. I mean, it's it's frightful, but it's 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 very valid, and it's it's it is what happens when we think of it as round rather than flat. That's that's beautiful. I'm going to think about that. If I use that sometime, I will. Um, I will say that this comes from Tina Davis. <laughs> kind of a universal idea. The earth is round. Um, I love it. Yes, I think that is true. And I think, you know, what I love about programs like yours is that it's really standing up to those perceptions and pushing back that we don't have to get angry or violent or, you know, it's just like, yeah, no, 
no. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and uh, to continue showing up, here I am. You know, this is what 70 looks like. This is what it's about. Um, you know, 70 comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and this is one of them. And I don't want to be called youthful. I want to be called 70 <laughs> because that's what I am. Yeah, I um, I get really, I have to be very careful because I can get really annoyed about the gendered ageism in the society. And I agree with you. I think that we can do our work without getting nasty about it. And what we have to do, in my opinion, is just step out and be who we are and yes. demonstrate what it looks like. Yes. Um, that, that we don't fall off the edge of the earth. We mm -hmm. this is this is this is the new normal. One of the things I say in a talk that I sometimes give is 60 isn't the new 40. We are the new 60. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. We are the new 70. We are the new 80. We are the new 90. So um, I don't want to be, I mean, nobody would look at me and say, see that younger woman. Right. You know, I'm not a young woman. And I'm okay with being older. And I think we all need to be okay with being older. Yes. We are. And I sometimes um, rail against people who want me to change older to mature or wise or something. I say, well, I know lots of young people who are really wise and who are really mature. And I know lots of old people who aren't. So I don't think that that works. <laughs> right. And somebody said to me, oh, you're 70 years young. And I'm like going, I don't know. I, I just want to be who I am. And I want people to see who I am, not see me, not see me. If they don't see me, I'll probably, you know, do a lot of gesturing so that they do see me. And, um, and I think, you know, as you look at your career, if you want to stay in it, and certainly the arts have a very longevity, long sense of what the career is. Uh, there really isn't a sense of retiring from your career uh, if you're an artist. Um, you may stop doing as much or you may even stop, but you don't really consider it a career in sort of classical terms as something that artists, oh, well, you know, they got to be 60 and they stopped doing it. It's sort of a lifetime process. Um, but certainly, especially in my field, you know, they're really going after younger composers and um and that's the nature of the beast i'm just here to to say hey here i am <laughs> i'm not retiring and i i'm finding new ways to get back to what i consider the truth of my work did you um as a classical composer experience gendered ageism or sexism before you were older? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. I mean, I used to get really angry about it. And now it's just like, uh, you know, when I say to younger women, I said, especially if you don't go through graduate school and sort of have the male mentored uh, education, 
uh, you can find yourself uh, without certain kinds of contacts. But I always say to artists, you know, if the front door isn't open, break in through the back, find a way in. Don't expect the front doors to be open to you. Even with all the credentials and being male, the front door might not be open to you. It's possible. So just learn to find new ways of getting into the system, however you want it. You know, create your own ensemble that plays your music. Certainly Philip Glass was a very famous composer now. He had to do that. Steve Reich, they had to. Nobody was playing their music. So they said, okay, breaking in through the back. Orchestras won't play my music. I'll create my own ensemble. Recording companies won't accept my music. I'll create my own record label. So, you know, I think I don't want people to feel that these difficulties stop them, but that difficulties in your field inspire you to find workarounds. You know, in, in computer language, when they write the computer data, whatever they have for the program. Sometimes there's an error. You know, there are a couple of lines of codes that are wrong. And they find sometimes it's too hard to correct that. So they insert a little statement in the beginning around this error. And then they, they make, then they have a statement after it and they create what they call a workaround, which is such a wonderful metaphor for life. I'm not going to change some of these institutions. So I create my own workaround. I love that. You know what? Every morning I listen to the classical music station here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And at nine o'clock, they have Mozart in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he had a terrible time getting recognized, getting paid, getting jobs. But he never stopped. No, no. And many, many times big audiences hated his music. Even when he got in somewhere, they hated his music. And so it doesn't, it, it, you know, I don't want to compare all this to Mozart, but it, it's not necessarily easy for anybody. I think that's a very wise thing to say. And it's a, it's a great leveler. It isn't easy. And even sometimes people who are really famous in your field are not having the the opportunities that they want. So um, I, I, and I think that Mozart, he didn't have to do social media and publicize his works, but I bet he had to go to an awful lot of parties oh, that yeah. he didn't want to go to. <laughs> He'd rather not. I think I mean, well, given what I understand about his personality, it's probably good he wasn't on social media actually. Right, Tina, I'm but, really curious about your writing um, your new book. When are you going to? When's the new book going to be out? I want your new book. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm just starting to write it now. All right. What are you? What is your thinking about the creative creativity process as we age? I don't want you to give your book away, but I'm I, no. But I'm happy to talk about it. I think, um, you know, of course, I can only tell you for myself, and I always want to bring it back to, you know, I am just expressing my my relationship to music, my process. When I was younger, I was very driven. I wouldn't say that I was competitive, but I would say that I was ambitious. 
And maybe ambitious is kind of a nice word for competitive. I don't know. (laughs) But I felt like I really desired to write music and hear it played. I wanted that connection between myself and the audience. Um, What I've noticed is, uh, and I went through a difficult period, uh, sort of my late 50s and, and early 60s, where I kind of went back into the shadows a bit in my field. And that was very hard to sustain myself during that period and to write music and to feel disconnected from, uh, you, you know, the, the listener, the person who receives my work. Um, but what I've noticed is that I am not as ambitious. I'm not as driven. I don't have this sort of one laser uh, focus on composing and my creativity. I mean, I wrote a book, you know, my creative seems to be kind of oozing out. It's not so forward in its energy, but kind of, it's just kind of spreading out in lots of different directions. And I find that so interesting. I don't know if that's because now I have less energy because I have less hormones because Maybe I'm older and wiser because my children have grown. I don't know why, but I am less uh, primarily focused on music and more focused on a, a maybe even a more holistic view of my music field and writing about the field that I love as well as writing music. So I find that really interesting. I find that really interesting too, because it seems to me that um, these are my words. These aren't your words. And this may not be true. It seems to me that what you're what you're doing is expressing yourself in different ways. That it's it's still yourself. It's still the music inside you, but you're expressing it in different ways. Do you do you paint or anything else? I do a lot of pastels. Yes, oh, I love it. I love yes. It. So and that's very important to not only to I started drawing as a way of sort of digging deeper into my music and then it sort of became a thing of its own. Um I make a lot of crafts. I love having things in my hands, so I do a lot of knitting and a lot of crocheting and I love recycling things, so I take apart sweaters and reuse the wool, you know. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so let's get back to this wonderful, wonderful book, Mm. Let Your Heart Be Broken. Could you read us a little bit of this? Yes. It is an absolutely gorgeous book, and I want people to get a flavor of it. Oh, thank you. So I'm going to read what I call the overture. I'm just going to read a little snippet of it. Uh, It's the title of the chapter is called Memories Passage. And I think the book is really... sort of the journey of how I reconciled myself to some of the the very difficult things that happened to me as a child. And and that's, you know, the idea of letting your heart be broken. You know, your heart is going to be broken a hundred times in your lifetime anyway by small and large things. And it's just sort of allowing yourself to go through that process. But the idea of going back into memory and trying to understand fundamentals about yourself so that those things aren't impacting you or harming you anymore. So I write, the way back into memory is circuitous. The path crosses, 
dead ends, startups again, and changes direction. Darkness opens up to light, colors kaleidoscope, and shapes are broken to a thousand patterns. The price of forgotten memories is costly. My puppeteer of darkness is cruel. He perp- he perpetuates false beliefs and false and forces reenactments I cannot control. The miracle is light. The miracle is that we rise again out of suffering. The miracle is the persistence of the soul to find itself, to look hard into the darkness, reach back, and grasp remnants of ourselves. The miracle is that we rec- that we create ourselves anew. So that sense of us uh, being in charge of our own creation, regardless of what has happened to us in the past. And, and as to aging, regardless of what age we are, that the miracle is that we are constantly recreating ourselves anew and bringing light into our lives. Hopefully we're doing that. Yes. 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 You have to, it's hard work. It is hard work. So Let Your Heart Be Broken is the title of the book. Um, And does that refer primarily to the when your heart was broken as a child? Or does um, does that go throughout the book? I think it's a life experience. Uh, And that quote was from uh, uh, Stephen Levine. And he he was asked the question, what is the meaning of life? And he answered, let your heart be broken. And um, and he says, I think the meaning of life is to let your heart be broken. And then I write the heart, the round sphere of your being. Let your heart be broken. Allow, expect, look forward to the life that you have so carefully protected and cared for. Broken, cracked, rent in two heartbreakingly your heart breaks and in the two halves rocking on the table is revealed rich earth moist dark soil ready for a new life to begin that's beautiful so that idea that i think we're we're many times in our lives at crossroads you know your last child leaves the house and your heart is broken because you'll never be that parent again And it's kind of those moments for me where I had to stop and uh, allow that grief to be with me so that I could find the good things about that and move on. It's sort of like you stop resisting. You you stop trying to bury your stuff because it comes back and haunts you. Uh, You know, darkness is a cruel puppeteer. You know, it can make you do things that you don't, you can't even control because of those unprocessed um, issues. And for me, having gone through that just gave me more to write about in my music. So I was constantly sort of taking that sense of processing my past or processing where I was and putting it right into my music. I have a piece called, um, dark child sings and it's about that dark child that that little lost child in me allowing that child to come forward and to sing to speak to be seen 
That's wonderful. I think, I wonder if we all have, I bet we all have the dark child within in some way, shape or form, because being a child, I mean, some people have had certainly much more difficult childhoods than others, but all of us started out very small and Mm -hmm. it's very small in the world. Right. And without agency and totally dependent. And yes, that, has to be a scary place mm-hmm. I mean, at some level that has to be a scary place you know when you when you were talking about Stephen Levine is that uh, from his death and dying or whatever the name of that yes book? yes meetings at the edge oh that's it's just wonderful books it's just wonderful. amazing books yeah it's a wonderful book and the second thing when you were talking I think of is <laughs> it's totally different the Leonard Cohen um you know the, the, the cracks yes <laughs> The cracks are where the light comes in. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yes, absolutely. And I, and again, this goes directly to the aging process and, and it continues to be not only do we show up, but we want to be seen. You know, we don't have to have a party thrown for us, but we don't want somebody to see through us or pretend we're not there. We want to you know, we're not taking over governments or trying to make a big fuss, but we want to be seen and, and counted for the gifts that we are giving. Yes. I actually hope that some of us are wanting to take over governments. That's, so yeah, I, I need hope, to. I don't want to, but I hope, <laughs> I hope some of us women are because I believe we need women. <laughs> yes. Well, and the, and the thing is, is that... Um, there's a wonderful composer, Pauline Oliveris, uh, and she wrote a book. Um, and she, her her plea to the music world was that if you consider that men have been writing this music, that classical music is sort of a male aesthetic, we're wanting to hear the other half of the whole. It's like we're missing something. All of society is sort of missing those voices of the other half. And I think we're starting to understand that much more in terms of diversity and uh, gender differences is we're starting to hear that there is a lot of different voices and we need to hear the multiple voices. Um, That would be a wonderful image to figure out how to incorporate, because it seems to me that some of the pushback from I'm just going to say older white men um, has to do with the fear of losing power. And if it could see it as the other half, it's, it's not, it's not taking over your half. It's the other half, right? You know, it's got so much diversity and color and liveliness and, um, Mm -hmm. You know, that would be interesting. That would be a yes. Think about would be a wonderful thing to see it at sort of more holistically. Yes, not not like I'm losing, but I'm actually gaining. Gaining, yeah, gaining. Yes, gaining in understanding and gaining in connection and right. gaining in strength. And gaining strength, yes, and possibility. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, in addition to your book, do you have anything else exciting on the horizon that you're still wanting to do that you haven't done yet? Well, um, 
I can tell you that I last weekend I was in the recording studio uh, with a Jasper string quartet and a wonderful pianist named Natalie Zhu, and they were recording five of my newer works. Um, so that was extremely exciting. Um, I do have a digital release of some performances of very big choral works, um, sort of uh, towards the, I would say towards the end of my second decade of composing music, when I was feeling more comfortable with myself and more settled, I started to write a lot of music that was looking at my relationship to things outside of myself, like the world or to nature or to, if you call him God or the great spirit or the cosmos. So my connection to something larger. So um, uh, this digital release is a big choral work uh, called the hymn of the universe. So I'm very excited about we're, we're finishing the program notes and the art and all that, the little stuff, and that will be released. You won't be able to buy a CD, but you'll be able to get it online. And this other recording will come out uh, with the Jasper Quartet will probably come out in March or April of next year. So that's, that's very exciting. That's yeah. very exciting, Tina. Yeah. Oh, we're coming to the end of our time, but I am sure that people are going to want to um, get in touch with you. And if they want to do that, how can they do that? Well, I'm super easy to get in touch with. My website is tinadavidson.com. And my email is Tina at tinadavidson.com. And um, if you are on whatever uh, whatever you listen to music online, like Spotify or Apple Music, it's under tinadavidson.com. Um, so, uh, and my book is on Amazon. Uh, so if you just look for Let, Let Your Heart Be Broken on Amazon, you'll, you'll come to the site. And you can also find links on my website. It's a wonderful book, everybody. It really is. Um, Let Your Heart Be Broken by Tina Davidson. It's it's really worth a read and not reading the whole thing through. Just read it and savor it a little chapter at a time. There, there. So thank you so much um, for joining us today. You can find out about more about Prime Spark at primesparkwomen.com. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Thank you so much to my guest, Tina Davidson. And don't forget, you can find her at tinadavidson.com or tina at tinadavidson.com. And you can find her on Spotify and Apple Music. And just look for her because you'll be very glad you did. So. Thank you for being with us, Tina. Oh, totally my pleasure. What an honor. No, my honor. Well, <laughs> we're both honored. We can just. We are both honored. Yes, absolutely. honor each other. Okay. So thank you, audience, for listening. Take care. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.